Hi, it's Tony Chapman, and welcome to Chatter That Matters, the podcast where we cut through the clutter to focus on what matters most to your life and your livelihood. Thanks to the incredible support of RBC, we're focusing the next 10 episodes on the heart of our economy, small businesses. Small business matters, and it's in our collective interest to keep them beating strong. Once you've had a taste of entrepreneurship, well, it's tough to go back. You become wired to a world where you're willing to risk for reward, where you want your destiny to be a matter of choice, not chance. And in that world, your instincts have to sharpen. Your curiosity has to go deeper for finding those unmet needs and opportunities. And your company, well, it becomes your extended family. And when circumstances change, you pivot. Resilience is in your lifeblood. Today's entrepreneur is all of that and more. Jennifer Menard, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks, Tony. So Jennifer, tell us what you do for a living. I'm the founder and CEO of Staff Shop. So we staff events across North America and the Caribbean. Uh, Well, we did prior to COVID-19, that is. Tell me a little bit about you as a young Jennifer. Where'd you grow up and what was your background like? I grew up in Sudbury, up in Northern Ontario. I'm French-Canadian Ojibwe. My father's Quebecois and my First Nations heritage descends from my grandmother on my mother's side. Our tribe, so to speak, is from Wikwemekong on Manitoulin Island. I have an older brother, two younger sisters, and a fiancé whom I was scheduled to marry in the Bahamas also prior to COVID-19. COVID-19 has caused you some problems. Um, <laughs> I talked about the DNA of an entrepreneur, and I wonder how much of it happens in terms of your early roots, your beginnings, your circumstances. Before I hit the record button, you were talking about some stark realities of your youth, and you agreed to let me include it. For sure. But let me just start off by saying I I forgave everyone who's caused pain in my life, so I feel it's important to do that. This isn't a dig. My parents were divorced when I was seven. My mother was a registered nurse and ended up with a man who abused her. Uh, He was bipolar and almost killed her several times. Therefore, I ended up in a pretty chaotic environment filled with alcoholism, traumatic experiences, uh, people who were lost, essentially. Uh, So I spent a big part of my childhood trying to save my mother while trying to save myself at the same time. And of course, I wandered down several dark paths myself. Did you ever feel like when you come from the circumstances you did and you didn't have maybe the pedigree of the, you know, the perfect family and education, have you felt like an imposter at times in life? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually have felt that way quite a few times. I had to go through a lot of therapy and uh, uh, really reconnect with my faith in order to, to, to get my head and my heart straight. But I, I surrounded myself with the right people and the resources that uh, that helped me get through that kind of stuff. Your background and mine are very similar. And there's sometimes you get touched on the shoulder by someone that says, you can be more, you're special. What was that moment in your life where you realized that it wasn't just about survival anymore? It could be, you could be about success. Yeah, it's a great story, actually. I, uh, I left home at 18 years old. I moved to Toronto when I was 20. I landed a job with MLSC, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, in 2006. Uh, in 2007, I met Jeff Bag, the president of the Bag Group, which is a full-service recruitment firm at the time. 
We ended up exchanging life stories. I went over my vision board. He said he could help me get there. Long story short, I started at the bag group in 2008 at the bottom as a recruiter. In 2013, uh, Jeff gave me the opportunity to create Bag's first hospitality and event division, uh, just based on my network and the research I, I had conducted in that space. The service line grew pretty quickly after we landed the Pan Am Games, the Honda Indy, the Rogers Cup, uh, several other large hospitality clients. And I still actually work for MLSC as a side hustle. It, it helps fuel my network for Staff Shop and some think I'm a little crazy for waiting tables at this stage, but I truly enjoy serving people and just being in that environment. So I plan on doing it as long as I can. I love what Jennifer's doing here. Even when she's building a business, she continues to work at MLSE. Why? Because she wants to feed her network. So you're, you're working for the bags group and I did a little bit of homework. You were shooting the lights out. You hit exceeded every possible target. And then you, he calls you in the office one day, and it's not to give you a ribbon. He gives you the shock of your life. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it was a wild ride. So I was uh, summoned to his office mid-November 2018 after a vacation in Mexico. Uh, he told me he had some big news. He slid an NDA across his desk and asked me to sign if I was interested in hearing about it. I was a little shocked. I had spent a decade working for that man and never had to sign an NDA to speak with him, but uh, signed on the spot. And he said, I know you toyed around with uh, buying your division uh, that you created someday. And I think I found you that window, but you need to make the deal happen by December 31st. What data were you talking about? I mean, do you have two years to do this deal or? Oh, no. So uh, like I said, I came back from vacation uh, middle of November and he wanted me to close the deal by end of December. So I had 45 days, but minus two weeks with people being on vacation between Christmas and New Year's. So really 30 days to to get the deal done. At the end of the day, it came down to trusting God, Jeff and myself. And I just I dove in. I had less than 30 days to fly the coop with a new name, logo, website, team, systems, financing, lawyers, the list goes on. So 30 days, did you pull it off? I did. So long story short, we agreed on a purchase price December 17th. On December 23rd, I secured financing. And at the 11th hour, I was racing across the city to deposit the purchase price into Jeff's account. Staff Shop Inc. was officially born December 29th. A month later, I found out he sold the bag group to Garda. So clearly he had been working on his succession plan and gave me the gift of opportunity before it was decided for me. So you, you sprinted a marathon in 30 days, get the financing, now what? Well, now we're, we're on our own. I mean, we've been having uh, a great time staffing events across uh, the city first, and then we started expanding across Canada and the major cities. Uh, things were rocking and rolling prior to COVID-19. Rocking and rolling? Well, that's an understatement. Entrepreneurs never stop moving. I'm going to take Jennifer. 2020 calendar is fully booked two months into the year. Large deals in the funnel ready to close across North America, and she's opening up her dream market in the Caribbean. And it all comes to a screeching halt. <laughs> COVID-19 has declared a pandemic, but it doesn't stop Jennifer. We pivoted very quickly to staffing essential services. Uh, luckily, our experience and and business model allows us to, to staff industry, any industry we want, really. So uh, we focused on cleaning, retail, light industrial, meal prep, delivery, et cetera. 
and uh, we're, we're assessing healthcare staffing next. Um, it's clear they're the real heroes and we're wanting to support them in any way we can. That's one of the best examples of resilience and reinvention I have ever witnessed. The event business is shut down overnight. What does Jennifer do? She redeploys her thinking and her capabilities to focus on essential services. When I started the business, I was a jack of all trades, wanting to do everything myself because I believed I could do it better and faster. And so I became the face, the brand, the business, uh, all at the same dangerous time. I call it now. Uh, Jeff used to say to me, you're like the Walt Disney of this operation. You need to find your Roy. And fate also had it that Roy, a.k.a. Uh, Allison Hernandez, who's my COO today, uh, came into my life a year prior to the purchase. So we actually had a chance to work together at BAG. And as it turns out, our, our values and goals were aligned. Um, so sticking with the Walt and Roy theme, we like to say I dream up the castles and she builds them. It's a great image and an even greater insight. Jennifer's Walt to Allison's Roy is a lesson all entrepreneurs need to learn. When you study a great entrepreneurial business, you often find a dynamic duo. They complement each other, Walt Disney and Roy Disney. Great example how Jennifer describes the role Allison plays in building Staff Shop. I learned that no one makes it alone, and it's important that you partner with like-minded people who share the same values and goals and who are complementary to your skill set. How do you sell? Because obviously in your business, it'd be very easy to fall on the procurement sword, which is who can provide the body's cheapest wins. We don't win all the business and that's okay. We only want business that we feel is, is right. And so one of the things we pride ourselves on the most is our, our business model and how we payroll our employees as employees, not contractors. That's one of the key differentiators. They're actually our employees. They get paid weekly via direct deposit and just feel like part of the team. How do you use that to your advantage in terms of winning business? The clients that we do tend to target or who tend to work with us really do care about the employee versus contractor model. I mean, at the end of the day, you get a better pool of employees. Uh, they are fully insured and we take care of all kinds of payroll burdens and insurance. The clients do appreciate that. So as you look forward, obviously we're going to get through COVID-19, but the event business might take years to come back. What do you think you're going to have to do as a business to continue to have the success that Jennifer Menard's had since she came to Toronto as a young woman working in hospitality? Well, thankfully, staffing agencies are essential and employment fuels economic growth. I'm still super passionate about events and I'm sure things will be back to normal eventually. Uh, but while we pivot to essential services in the meantime, I built a brand specifically around event staffing. So the question for us remains, how much do we pivot, how far, how fast and for how long? Jennifer, I'm going to take a moment to talk about RBC and how appreciative I am that they sponsored Small Business Matters. And then I'm going to bring to you three experts with advice that's going to help you get to where you want to go. I must give a huge shout out to RBC for sponsoring the Small Business Matters series on Chatter That Matters and for running excerpts on 67 radio stations across Canada. I'm a big fan of RBC, not just because they're one of the world's best run and most respected banks. It's because of what they do to help all of Canada. 
Take Future Launch, a $500 million investment to help Canadian youth find and pursue their path in life. Or the investment RBC makes in arts and culture, in amateur sports, and in building our new economy. When COVID-19 hit, RBC stepped up with millions of dollars to support food banks and essential services. And they had only one ask for this series. Don't make this show about RBC. Make it about the small business heroes. And speaking of heroes and their quest, let's get back to see what the experts have to say. So Jennifer, this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast, the, the intersection where I bring the small business owner and Canada's thought leaders together. And we just look at what are the insights and ideas, inspiration that you can benefit from and hopefully all of Canada. So I want to introduce you to Joe Jackman. He's the CEO of Jackman Reinvents. He just wrote an incredible book called The Reinventionist Mindset. I've known Joe for years. There's not a better change agent out there. And the first question I asked Joe is, what do you think of Jennifer's business? No matter what you do and where you do it, fundamentally it takes uh, people, people that are skilled, people that uh, know what's important. And Joe, what do you think Jennifer's biggest challenge is? We live in a world where there's an infinite amount of choices. So how does she set herself apart? Certainly brand is one of the ways to do that. And people manifesting your brand consistently is an absolute uh, must-have today. Strategy only counts if it's clear and, and actioned. So let's explore her strategy. She's made the choice to employ a core team of people, has invested in them and trained them to be knowledgeable in the, in the ways they need to be, and have a toolkit of how to go about doing work in the way that she wants it to be done. So why would you call that her strategy? As different from her competitors, which many of them are, you know, employing transient folks. Okay, so I get the strategy. What do you now mean by actioned? If she's getting credit for that important difference between her and her competitors, fantastic. What should Jennifer be asking herself? Are you helping customers when they're making a purchase decision choice understand the enormous benefits of having a core team that is constant? So let's shift to her positioning. Do you feel Jennifer stands for something and in doing so stands out? If you can't be first in a category, then draw a circle around a new category, find a way to do it differently and become the first in that. You know, Tony used to use an expression years ago, which I, I, I'm pretty sure I stole on several occasions. You know, what's the tiebreaker? So how does Jennifer find her tiebreaker? What are the differences that'll, that'll be meaningful to your customers that might tip them that tiebreaker to choose you over someone else? And then you just have to do two things. One is make sure you deliver that difference consistently, flawlessly. And the second thing is make sure you get credit for it in the market. So getting credit in the market means that she has to get a premium price for her offering. Any advice in that area? I would rather, in her case, sell um, the way that uh, customers might be motivated to buy differently. So give us an example. I'll give you two examples. How far up is up and how far down is down? So let's start with up. How important is your event to your own success, to your own brand? What is the potential for it to be brand defining? I basically said, not everything is equal. 
there is an upside here that if you, you know, hear me out and go with us, I'm going to explain to you what the benefits of the difference is to you. So I like what you're saying there, Joe, in terms of positioning to the customer. It's not just an event. It has a, a legacy, a lasting quality. How can she can position this concept of down? If it doesn't go right, what's the consequence? A bunch of labor that isn't properly trained, that doesn't have continuity, that might do things right or wrong, that might say the wrong things, that might do the wrong things, that might fall short in executional standards, has tremendous consequences. And Joe, any final thoughts? Tony, what I love about Jennifer, she is ahead of the serial killer that's coming for every business that thinks the status quo is the place to camp out. Her ethos ultimately is a winning strategy in my mind, which is get people that know what they're doing, get them to know how to work together, be really good at not only selling your proposition, but executing it and getting credit for what makes it different. And it doesn't matter what way you apply that, that will uh, prevent. So Jennifer, that is one of the leading reinventionist. He's remade some of the top brands in the world. And he's come up very positive on your business. Any immediate thoughts? I, I love what Joe Jackman said. I'm super honored and grateful for him to have uh, provided this feedback and even looked at uh, the business and, and my story. Uh, and I, I definitely agree with him on looking at the, the upside and the downside uh, consequence versus benefit. And sounds like we're on the right track. So thank you. I appreciate that. So Jennifer, I promised you I'd get somebody that was big in the event space. You're going to meet Stephen Shaw. He's done a few things. He's been involved with two international Rolling Stones tours, Broadway shows, record-selling exhibitions. He's even done an evening with Oprah Winfrey and Al Pacino, and his Jurassic Park set new records. So he's worked for the best, and now he's an entrepreneur with his company called Round Room. The first thing I asked Steve is, you're a thought leader in the live entertainment space that Jennifer excels at. What does the future look like for this sector? Until there's a vaccine and people adopt that and, and feel comfortable attending live entertainments again, obviously we're, we're in for a bit of a tough and, and long road ahead. Uh, having said that, you know, the live entertainment industry will be back. So obviously it's going to have to change in what way? Everything from capacity reductions, 50, 70% reductions to temperature checks upon entry, masks on all attendees, different seating groups. It will be a different world. Jennifer's promise with Staff Shop is to elevate the client and employee experience. To do so, she provides staff that's full-time, well-trained versus many of her competitors who prefer contract workers. But it comes at a price, a premium price that she has to charge her clients. How do you view the strategy? It's true in, in a low-margin business that finding efficiencies are the keys to long-running and profitable shows. Unfortunately, a lot of people do earmark that staffing line in the budget to find those efficiencies. So is there any room for a more premium offering? Producers and event organizers, and obviously venues, and that's everything from the Air Canada Centre to Massey Hall to the AGO, they do value trustworthy staffing companies who do take that all-in approach. But you did state it's a low-margin world. Would you pay a premium for the promise that Jennifer offers? When we look at that line item as a potential place to cut, we understand that paying a premium for that service does benefit the overall experience in the show altogether. 
So beyond trust and a promise, what else would you value in Jennifer's offering? Jennifer's model is a one-stop shop. It benefits us as producers on the logistical standpoint. It, it minimizes our risks. It obviously has the, a company that takes care of everything from payroll to taxes to insurance, and that's great. So you thumbs up on her offering. How can she grow her business? You know, I'm a producer that creates experiences. And our model is one that once an attendee arrives at the front door, the experience begins, right? And so dedicated, experienced employees who, you know, are critical. They're almost as though they're actors in our shows. Stephen, I love this concept of actors in our show. It's four words that really fame her value proposition. Clearly, she needs to now build her business and attract new clients. Any advice for Jennifer? In order to win new business, landing that one key client is critical. Why? Finding contracts that provide evergreen, they're almost annuities. So any other benefit with having that flagship client? That's where referrals come. That's where new clients follow. So I get a key client. What other things can Jennifer do to grow her business? Pinpointing growth industries and growth areas in the industry is key. Can you give me some examples? There's a huge influx on these immersive entertainment experiences. These are shows that sit in market for up to six to eight months at a time. They run six to seven days a week. They run 10 hours a day. These are businesses like the Museum of Ice Cream or uh, the Rolling Stones exhibition. Shows that, that we're doing um, that are in market that have huge recurring daily business. So like everything that you've said, you'll buy a premium because it's one-stop shopping. This concept of actors in the show, fish where the fish are, go after that big client for referrals and get the kind of the immersive exhibitions that run daily for months at a time. Any final thoughts? Final point would probably be to invest in your assets, broadening skill sets, making them more versatile, making them be able to handle a multitude of roles add maybe security to her services, but also temperature checks. So Jennifer, Stephen Shaw, one of the top producers, arguably in the world, certainly in North America. What did you think? I thought it was great. Thank you, Steve. I feel the same in terms of uh, aligning with uh, larger contracts, but especially uh, people who are aligned with uh, our values and, and we, they seem similar in terms of creating uh, and elevating experiences. That's what we're all about. So it makes sense. Thank you. So the final expert is Karuba Sankar, who's the global procurement leader at RBC. And he was so passionate because he knows you and he knows everything you're doing with your business. But before he talked about your business, I asked Karuba, what's he striving for at RBC? We strive to build an inclusive supply chain. But what does that mean? Our goal is to advance the equality of opportunity of businesses owned by Aboriginal people, women, minority, LGBT, uh, people with disabilities and veterans. So I get the goodwill, but is there anything else in there for RBC? By including diverse suppliers in the sourcing process, we gain access to competitive offerings, greater innovation, and culturally diverse business interaction. Jennifer has a number of certifications. For example, she's certified Aboriginal, Canadian Christian business, woman-led. Can she use those certificates to her advantage? Being a certified supplier, they get access to the procurement opportunities and uh, supplier development program and mentorship programs. 
Is that all Jennifer needs? A certificate guarantees her business. They get into, uh, you know, participate in the opportunities, procurement opportunities. And uh, obviously, you know, the ones who has the best merit wins it. But at least if you don't open the platform uh, for a, you know, level playing field, then they won't be able to participate at all. So certificate opens the door. What else can she do to improve her chance of winning a client like RBC? We conduct coaching and helping uh, those companies to help to understand how our procurement operation works uh, so that they could be able to identify how they could position themselves. So there's a big difference between RBC and the size of Jennifer's business. Any final thoughts for her? At this specific stage, many of the businesses are going through the challenges and have to rethink themselves, you know, what exactly the space they want to play on. So Jennifer, Karub is a guy that certainly believes in bringing diversity in an RBC, not just because it's good for the country and good for the brand, but it's actually great business because he's getting that diverse thinking. What's your experience been like working with him and the advice he just gave you? Yeah, Karuba is great. I mean, he's very fair and very clear. And I've always been a fan of uh, what he stands for. Uh, he's super passionate about uh, diversity and creating equal opportunities. And I think he he gives people who don't have a voice uh, uh, sometimes in this area a, a chance that they may never have had before. So I, I appreciate that and look forward to working with him more. Jennifer, you and I come from similar roots, a family life full of uncertainty, past that we had to choose when we were growing up, to today being resilient. What I've enjoyed the most getting to know you is your values, which are woven across every staff shop's touch point, and I imagine your life. Faith guides you, passion fuels you, and freedom inspires you. Values are intangible, which makes them difficult to measure, and ironically, to be valued by clients. But I love your commitment to building a culture of full-time workers versus a transactional workforce. And a real question that was answered today, are clients going to pay a premium for a promise? Well, the simple and most complex answer is yes. Competing on price is a race to zero without an airbag. Competing with a premium offer is a road less traveled, but it's one where you'll find a higher purpose, a better employee, and a better client. And you know that. Take to heart what Stephen Shaw said, You are actors in his show. And what Joe Jackman said about continuing to find your own circle of one. And what Karuba said, find your place within the supply chain and own it. I look forward to watching you, the very principled, very value-based and very resourceful Jennifer Menard, continue to grow as an individual and as the founder of Staff Shop. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast. Thanks so much, Tony. I very much appreciate the meaningful work you're doing. And at the end of the day, I believe it's all about giving back. And I feel like you're doing that with the gifts that you have and hope you keep doing so. To find details on how RBC supports its business clients, visit rbc.com business. You've been listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with Tony on Twitter at Tony Chapman, through LinkedIn at Tony Chapman Reactions, or visit his website, TonyChapmanReactions.com. Chatter That Matters is produced by Tony Chapman Reactions and Eye Contact Productions. Mm-hmm.